Welcome to the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations Interviews Podcast, a series of brief conversations with leading China experts on key issues in the Sino-American relationship. For more interviews, videos, and links to events, visit us at www.ncuscr.org. This is Steve Orleans, President of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, and I am very happy today to be joined by Gang Chen, who is the Carl Soderberg Professor of Power Engineering at MIT, and he used to be head of the Department of Mechanical Engineering uh, at MIT. He's got, a pe- he's got a PhD from Berkeley um, and is known not for what I have basically just said, but is known for having been the subject uh, of a prosecution under the China Initiative that I want to talk about today so that the our listeners, our viewers understand uh, how this originated, what happened, and what we should do going forward. Um, you know, I've been following the case from the day it started. And as I kind of reviewed the case, it, it, it kind of brought tears to my eyes because it really put somebody who was an upstanding, good American uh, into a real nightmare. I think you stood up for the right things. You were a model for those of us who speak out, whether we're in China or the United States, didn't compromise your integrity and ultimately the charges were dropped. Uh, talk first about kind of your background before this nightmare started. You know, who is uh, Gang Chen? You know, where you came from, what your experience in China was, you know, coming here, going to Berkeley, teaching at some institutions, and then your 21 years at MIT. Thank you, Steve, and thank you for giving me uh, this uh, opportunity to speak here. Um, I grew up in China. I was born in 64, so I spent a lot of my childhood during China's Cultural Revolution. Um, but uh, uh, in 78, uh, the, uh, I was lucky. I uh, enrolled in high school through exam. So that's, those are the years when China started to reform. and. Uh, I came to US uh, in 89 after I received bachelor and master degree uh, from uh, then Huarong Institute of Technology. And I studied uh, at UC Berkeley under then UC Berkeley Chancellor, a very famous Chinese American, uh, Chang Ling Tian. I got my PhD in 1993, went to Duke as an assistant professor, and then four years later, I was attracted to UCLA with a tenure offer. So I went there as associate professor with tenure. And another four years later, I was attracted to uh, MIT. Uh, so I joined the MIT faculty in 2001. And uh, I've been here uh, for 20, 21 years. Uh, really, I, um, I benefited so much uh, from my uh, uh, Grown up life uh, in US, in academia, uh, every university, I'm so grateful, Duke, UCLA, MIT, and particularly MIT, I spent 21 years, I grew my uh, research, really worked with a large group of students, faculty, and through their hard work working together, I also received uh, uh, 
quite a lot of recognitions as the election to the National Academy of Engineering. And in 2013, um, um, I, yes, I took uh, over as uh, the department head because I thought it's really my uh, time to pay back to the society. I benefited so much being a faculty member at MIT, I should pay back and serve uh, our faculty, our students. So I led the department for five years uh, until 2018. And uh, uh, I've been say, returning to my research. I really feel say, uh, we have achieved American dream. Um, I have a very loving family, one son and daughter, they all grown up uh, and uh, all this were shattered. Uh, when uh, in 2001, January 14, when they came over wrestling and really uh, uh, turned uh, my, our American dream uh, into a nightmare. Talk, talk about that a little bit that, you know, in reading about the case, they had spoken with you in December and said that there weren't going to be any charges. Then on 6.30 in the, mor at, in the morning, as I read at the newspaper, you know, the FBI entered the house, arrested you with your, your wife and children present. Um, what, what went on? And I think it's important to note it was six days before the end of the Trump administration. So I think that's a relevant factor here. What do you think went on? And I ask it in the context, you know, I've worked in the US government uh, for a number of years and dealt with the Department of Justice and the FBI. And by and large, these are pretty good guys. These are guys who are interested in going after real bad guys, not fake bad guys. And, and they join these institutions for the right reasons. What went on here? Uh, Steve, that's a really good question. Um, uh, in terms of uh, timeline history, I started to realize that I was under investigation in January 2020. I think around the 22nd January, uh, when I and my family returned from an international trip, going through the Logan custom, I was deterred for a few hours. And at the end, I was questioned and all my electronics were taken away. Um, after I came back to MIT, I wrote to the MIT leadership. Uh, they were very worried. Uh, they actually got me a lawyer, paid my lawyer. And uh, they also uh, hired another independent lawyer for MIT. So there are actually two external lawyers working and looking to uh, my record through the entire 2020. And uh, by December, uh, they talked to the prosecutor and the prosecutor told them there are no eminent indictment, at least not, not in, in six months. I think uh, the reality is that they were all thinking about leaving. And yet uh, on January 14, 2021, less than a month after they told both my lawyer and the MIT lawyer, and they came to my house and arrest me. And that's to say 6.30 AM around that time, I was uh, making coffee and I saw uh, really between probably 10 to 20 federal agents uh, came to my home and uh, uh, pounced at my door. And then when I opened, they asked if I 
or Gang Chen and uh, uh, say order me not to move. Uh, my wife was uh, uh, in sleep. My daughter um, was also uh, in sleep. And uh, my wife later told me um, a policeman, a man actually uh, was on her bedside, asked her to wake up, get up. And she saw that she was in dream and opened the, uh, her eyes and the saw a man just standing by. Um, that's already a uh, traumatic uh, experience. Um, I, I believe what you said, I believe most people in the government, uh, DOJ, FBI, they, most people join uh, for, to do the right thing. In fact, uh, my, uh, two of my lawyers, right, uh, uh, Mr. Rob Fisher and uh, Mr. Brian Kelly worked in those offices. They're good guys. But uh, they also, uh, the other facts in my case, right, uh, the um, U.S. attorney, Andrew Lennon at the time, he had, uh, like you said, less than a week to go in the uh, presidential transition, just rushed to, uh, to the indictment in this was indicated by the prosecutor to my lawyer on the day I was arrested that they rushed the case. And uh, it's just uh, 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 surreal to me that the people working in the government really placed their uh, career above ordinary people innocence. In this case, it's my belief with the Android learning and, uh, uh, and so actually facts, the say Android learning and the uh, uh, FBI special agent, uh, Mr. Joseph Bonomato, that they had a news conference and uh, during the news conference, they really distorted facts to paint me as a criminal, to question my loyalty to US and uh, um, I thought that it's really when you have misguided policy like channel initiative, you have a zealous people like uh, Andrew Learning and uh, uh, Mr. Bolomolanto really place their career above facts, above say, uh, the innocent people. And that happens, the tragedies like those happens because of the policy together with the, the zealous people. There was, so the prosecutor who was lower down felt that they shouldn't do it at this time, but the more senior people who knew they had six days left decided that they should bring the case. Is that what you speculate? Uh, yes, that's uh, pretty clear from uh, from uh, the timeline and from the facts that, that the prosecutor was telling my lawyer there are no prosecution in the next six months in December. And yet within less than uh, a month, they came to arrest me and they indicated to my lawyer uh, that they rushed the case. And uh, it was even, I remember the day my lawyer said, uh, in this case, the chief prosecutor was uh, Stephanie Sigman, and she said that she was most angry that I served as a reviewer 
for Chenlong's Natural Science Foundation. And there are, there are two problems with this. One is that uh, if you ask any active researcher, we all do reviews for different organizations, including foreign funding agencies. And the fact is, if you go to US Department of Energy, ask them, they go abroad to find the impartial reviewers because sometimes they can't find impartial reviewers. They think they cannot find the impartial reviewer in uh, US and they go abroad. So those are really academic norm. So that's a, one problem. The second problem is in my specific case, although doing review has nothing wrong, but in my specific case, I was so busy. I actually never did a review for China's Natural Science Foundation. They did not do their homework. I just received all those email requests. We all receive email requests, but yet they say I was a reviewer. Was that morning of January 14th the darkest or were there times the darkest moment or were there times subsequent to that when it even got darker? I think there are many dark times, uh, certainly that day. Um, in fact, uh, I must say when I first saw them come in because I knew that already uh, say at the time under investigation, I had a lawyer. So my immediate reaction was actually, this is so stupid. And it was not fair at the time. It, um, and uh, when I was taken away, I was in prison and sometimes uh, shackled, handcuffed. I still was not that fearful. I was only worried, worried how my wife was doing because uh, by the time they took me away, my wife was talking to them. And uh, that was uh, just uh, so worrisome because uh, um, uh, we all know that, that this case is uh, you should not talk. That's uh, all the lawyers advice. And uh, also I was worried, uh, how could I tell my parents in China the uh, they uh, say they are old, right? They are awake. And I was worried that they would not be able to survive the news. And I was worried about my, my son, he was going to start a new job the next week. So all those, their worries. But see, uh, it was a very sad the night that we came, I came back from prison uh, after I was bailed out. How many days were you detained? Uh, uh, one day, say during the say uh, it's a so during the day uh, my lawyer um, bailed me out. So and there was an arraignment. Bail was set. Right. Uh, there was an arraignment in front of a federal judge. Bail was set. Somebody paid the bail, and you were released. Right. Right. Uh, I was released uh, uh, the same day. And uh, it was surreal uh, when we, I came back looking to my home, there were no electronics and the storage area was a mess uh, because they had a one day search in my house. And that next few days was just a terrible 
we lost both my wife and I lost over 10 pounds. And uh, um, the, the, it was very difficult to hear my wife crying in her dream. Woke up in her dream, I hear her crying, and this happened often. So that, that's very difficult. Yeah. The, so this occurs, did the FBI have weapons drawn, by the way? They did not draw their weapon. They, they knew I had a lawyer and uh, they knew, uh, say, um, they, well, they actually told my lawyer, I said, I need to talk to my lawyer. They said, you already know, right? They informed my lawyer um, uh, on their way to come to arrest me. Yeah, and they chose, because I guess they wanted to seize the electronics, they chose not to tell your lawyer to have you surrender at the federal building in downtown Boston. They could have often in cases, you know, the, the police or the FBI just say the defendant can surrender because you're not, you know, you're not gonna harm anybody, but I guess they were worried you would, in, in the theory, destroy electronics. What, so, this was pretty serious prosecut prosecutorial abuse. Um, you know, and it's not the first time, as you know, and it's not going to be the last time. Are there any actions that you're contemplating? Are you trying to get discovery? Um, you know, are you bringing a case in front of the Massachusetts bar for misconduct by the lawyers involved, you know, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, you know, immunity for federal prosecutors is absolute. It's very difficult. But if there was prosecutorial uh, misconduct, the bar association could suspend the license of the offending lawyer. Well, um, this is like you said; it's a uh, uh, very difficult. Uh, to uh, say prosecute the people in power, and but see, I am working with Congress. I'm respectfully, respectfully uh, demanding their thorough investigations of the misconducts by FBI, by uh, other agents uh, in the process. Clearly, uh, there are a lot of wrongdoings. They distort facts, they hide facts. They, in fact, uh, they, um, uh, the same day they arrested me, they interviewed the witness. Uh, the witness said that I was not in the talent program they accused me of. And uh, uh, those, uh, my lawyer told me those uh, so-called Brady material, they, by law, US law, they need to turn over to my defense team. And yet they did not. Uh, in March 2021, they interviewed the FI, uh, say MIT grant specialist in charge of a DOE grant. And she said that I did not violate the rules. And again, those are Brady material, they should turn to my lawyer. They hide it and we knew they have it. And they, until uh, November, uh, we decided to uh, to really ask them 
and uh, we knew that's the wrong doing. And it was uh, at that time after we asked it to turn over more breeding material, they hide a lot of those materials that by law, they know law better than anybody else. And yet they, they hide them. And uh, it's just a full of misconducts like this. They distorted the facts, right? MIT corrected their fact, the facts. They said I took uh, $19 million. And in fact, uh, on the day they were in my home, uh, my wife told me later that she asked one agent, what's my crime? And the agent said, he took $19 million. And my wife said, where is that $19 million in my home? And the agent said, at the MIT. They knew it's at the MIT, yet they painted the way you look here, listen to the news conference. It's like, I embarrassed $19 million. It's just yeah. all the kind of misconduct. Why did it take the Biden administration, the, the new US attorney so long to drop the case? It was more than a year. It's actually interesting. The new US attorney uh, was appointed sometime probably in May or June, but uh, her uh, confirmation was stalled at the Congress until I forgot the November around the time. And uh, she wasn't, uh, say, uh, say, she didn't start her position until just the week after, uh, say, she started her position at Cape as well. So, so um, uh, it took a long time for, for her appointment uh, to be confirmed. But the, there, there was an acting U.S. attorney who was no longer the U.S. attorney when you were indicted, right? That's true. So there was an acting U.S. attorney. And then, in fact, by December, uh, my lawyer was already negotiating with him about the dropping the case. And it was around that time they were talking about the dropping the case. So in December, it became clear that this, this ordeal was going to end in some not too long a time frame. Right. In fact, uh, in October, the prosecutors uh, uh, already was proposing to us, which my lawyer said that it's very rare. They approached uh, my legal team and proposing a deferred prosecution agreement. Uh, which is a sign that, that they want to get out, right? And uh, they, they know from the beginning they rushed the case and they, their investigation didn't find anything uh, against me and they want to get out. And yet they still want to save their face and with a pro different prosecution agreement. So you rejected that? It was difficult because uh, we really didn't know, my lawyer said, this could take a long time, right? And we didn't know this would end. Um, but see, I just asked myself whether I could live with it, right? And it was difficult, but at the end, after a lot of uh, debate, discussion with my wife, 
um, I decided to reject it. I just couldn't live with it. Your perspective. So the Biden administration, the new assistant U.S. attorney for national security, has dropped, quote, the China initiative and kind of put in place a new um, kind of prosecution uh, kind of way of prosecuting, which deals with all of these issues, doesn't focus on Chinese or Chinese Americans. Does that kind of end it for you? Are you satisfied? No. Um, I, I, was, uh, I certainly feel some relief that they uh, dropped the name. Uh, I watched the uh, not the news conference, the, the sort of webinar type of when during which Matt Olson announced the name change. But uh, so, so there's certain uh, satisfaction to hear that, but also their disappointment uh, in the fact when he said perceived the low standard those are not perceived, those are facts. If you look at the, how many the existing diamond as the MIT technology review uh, and also NOR 360 analyzed, right? And uh, I believe the, the success rate is less than 50% and uh, compared to DOJ's more than 90% success rate in prosecution. There's a clearly low standard, right? And, uh, uh, and also uh, the fact that he said he reviewed all existing cases and decide they will continue the prosecution. And those really did not give me a good feeling about their substantial real change. And I, I must say, I have not seen real change. After my case was dropped, I learned there was an FBI agent visiting a university faculty, somebody I knew visiting his, his home. I learned uh, another faculty um, when he passed through airport, he was uh, questioned for an hour. So those things still continue and they create the a uh, really huge chilling effect to the entire scientific community. And that's detrimental to US and to the world. How should we, how should the American people think about the conviction of Charles Lieber over at your institution up the Charles River, uh, the partial conviction in the last few days of Feng Tao at the University of Kansas? How, and, and, a lot, and a bunch of other convictions. How do we separate that from the bad prosecutions, the, the prosecutions based on you know, wrong materials, distorted evidence? Yeah, that's a, a very complicated question. I think they probably we could use, uh, I mean, whose case as example, when George Varnant uh, ruled, uh, uh, say, in his ruling, acquitting uh, Amin Hu, even there was a hand jury, 10 people uh, uh, voted uh, guilty and two 
say, insistent non-guilty, right? I remember uh, Judge Valland, uh, say, in his ruling opinion, uh, he used uh, he is a uh, example uh, of what's a wire fraud. And he give example, a man called the labor, he wanted to change of $1 into four quarters. He called his labor uh, and, the, and uh, say a lie that uh, say he, his son is, uh, uh, is ill. And uh, when the labor came over, uh, uh, he, he asked to change dollar into quarters. And uh, so the labor uh, did that and left. And uh, there are two scenarios he pointed out. One was that uh, uh, the dollar was real. So in that case, although he probably lied uh, to get labor over, but there was no harm done. And the other case was uh, he gave a counterfeit $1. And in that case, it's a wire fraud. In the first case, it was not a wire fraud, right? So that's a, the example he, he gave. And uh, uh, he concluded that, say, in Amin Hu's case, even in the most favorable consideration for the government, there are no harm done, right? right. That's why he yeah, uh, 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 acquitted the Amin Hu. So I, I think people need to ask those questions, right? The China initiative started to find spies. Did they find spy? What about Lieber? He wasn't a spy, but he certainly abused his position. Well, let's see, I, I have not really thought more from the legal perspective from a science perspective, I have great respect for Libra as a scientist. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big loss for the scientific community. In my view, despite the people who created the China Initiative, you know, obviously created on the last day of Jeff Sessions' term as, as, as uh, Attorney General, they kept saying this wasn't an attempt to discourage U.S.-China cooperation in the sciences. Um, I don't agree with that. I, I think they, they, they actually were trying to kind of decouple the scientific community in China from the United States. Um, do you think they kind of have succeeded? That it's tougher to get Chinese graduate students at MIT or at Berkeley or at Caltech or or wherever, because they kind of go, you know, I can go elsewhere. Uh, I completely agree with you. And uh, yes, certainly, I think that they have partially succeeded um, in creating this chilling effect in, uh, in really slowing or halting the talents coming in uh, from China, coming to US. Uh, unfortunately, that's to the detriment of the U.S. and to the world. Uh, there are, uh, recently there is a survey conducted by Asian American Scholar Forum. The survey uh, including over 1,300, almost 1,400 university faculty members, most of them Chinese heritage. Uh, these are in U.S. And uh, 
90% of the survey felt it's more difficult to attract talents uh, from uh, China than five years ago. And so really, the, say I, I anecdotally, I was talking to a faculty member from another university, and he told me that the, this year they didn't get any applicant from Tsinghua University in China. This is a top US university in, in, their, in his department. They did not get any that very different from before. And uh, clearly, I think the, those actions, uh, say the, the program and the, the fear created, uh, 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 say, halting uh, talents come in. And also, anecdotally, I talked to people in other countries, and they got better students now. Yeah, so this is, it's a diversion from the United States right. to other places, and probably some stay in China. Yeah. That in, the, in the natural sciences, in the STEM fields, you know, Tsinghua, you know, the others are, are uh, pretty good places to end up. I think in the social sciences, China's the way they're running the social sciences these days, it's still problematic for the best students to stay because research is being uh, kind of directed in a way that makes it uh, not very uh, pleasant to stay if you're in a sensitive area. What should the United States government do, you know, going forward? You know, your, your case is, is truly a tragedy, um, you know, but you, you stood up. I mean, you, you know, in every way, shape or form, you did the right thing. You, you, and you were fortunate that you were at, um, MIT and MIT stood with you and provided counsel. I think Professor Hu was more, University of Tennessee was less supportive. I think University of Kansas was less supportive of, of Feng Tao. Um, but what should the US government do? What should the Congress do? How do we kind of legislate our way through this? Or is it really just impossible? We just need to shine the bright light on these cases, and when you do, people go, oh my gosh, this shouldn't have happened. They were trying to, the cure for the disease was so much worse than the disease that we need to stop this, but what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. I, you mentioned that I am lucky. I do want to emphasize that I'm the luckiest among the unlucky people. Uh, Really, I have the MIT leadership support. The MIT faculty stood up very quickly and uh, voiced uh, in their uh, open letter and uh, stated that we are all Gang Chen, right? They analyzed Great. the facts, yeah. And the entire scientific community, really many people stood up and uh, spoke for me. Uh, so I'm, I'm the luckiest among unlucky people. I think they damage uh, it created this, say, wrongful prosecutions, uh, mine and other people, really is harming the U.S. Really is, a, say, uh, again, I mentioned this survey, and uh, this survey uh, showed that 64% of the surveyed are fearful of the U.S. government, our own government, our own citizens, 
are fearful of our own government. And 67 of those surveyed are considering leaving the country. Those are the over 1300 research university professors. It really is a say, north of talents, the deterrence of talents from coming in. And US, we are a country built on our ability to attract talents from around the world. And the government people, the government leaders need to recognize this is damaging to US, damaging to the world. And in, uh, I think, Stephen Chu, the Nobel laureate, uh, say US Department Secretary, right, Energy, uh, Department of Energy Secretary, in his words, were shooting close to our head. And uh, uh, the government need to recognize this and need to be, it's hard, but I made the mistakes made, right? It took, in the history, it took many, many years to meet those mistakes, right? Chinese Exclusion Act, uh, the Japanese encampment during World War II, and there are others and they never meet, right? And the, in the 60 to 80s, there was secret FBI surveillance of Chinese scientists. And uh, uh, the history kept repeating itself. I hope the government can do a thorough investigation and really hold the people in power, abusing power, accountable for their misconducts. And in my case, I'm lucky I got many people's support and I hope more and more people stand up to speak out against those discriminations and really using people's power to force politicians to do the right thing. Yeah, and which is the purpose of this program is to get our hopefully tens of thousands of viewers to understand what happened here and when we see it happen again to speak up. Last question, because we're out of time is, so what's right. the, what is the future now for Gangcheng? What do you, you're, you're back at MIT, you're teaching, uh, you're recruiting graduate students, I, I assume, to work with you. What's your future? Um, yeah, in my case, uh, really, uh, it creates big uh, damage to my scientific career. My group originally had the 15 people at the time uh, I was arrested. And by now I only have three people. And uh, I lost uh, some critical uh, continuity, uh, but uh, I'm not going to be beaten. And uh, I will find ways to uh, uh, continue my research I'll probably not apply for government funding anymore. I'm just so fearful uh, for finding any forms and uh, uh, see, uh, given my experience, but I'm not going to be then. I guess the other aspect uh, I emerged, uh, say this experience taught me that uh, we have to speak out. Uh, we, we people hold the power. Uh, we need to speak out just uh, um, as uh, uh, say my colleague, when uh, say this is a professor, your think when he organized the MIT faculty, 
he didn't know, know MIT leadership was actually covering my legal fee at the time when I was arrested. That was the day he, uh, I was arrested. He prepared a deck of slides. And the last slide, he cited this uh, poem by Martin Neumuller, uh, which read, first, they came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Uh, then they uh, came for uh, the um, Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came to me, and there was no one else to speak out. Uh, it was see, probably not the uh, full recital, uh, but see, it's very powerful. And uh, I got another uh, email from an uh, uh, African-American friend, uh, and he sent me Martin Luther King's quote, right? Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I keep those words to my heart, and it's uh, people have supported me. It's my time to help people more. Yeah. To well, this has been a very powerful, powerful interview. I hope we get tens of thousands, and I can see why, why the MIT faculty said we are all Gangchen, and we are all Gangchen. And I thank you so much for standing up, fighting this, being true to your values, true to our values, and being a great American. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you, everybody. For more interviews, videos, and links to events like this one, visit us at www.ncuscr.org.